If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Total Celebrity Show segment on the Neil Haley Show. And I'm excited to welcome the program actress Kate Flannery. We all remember her from NBC's The Office. Kate, thanks for calling. How are you? Hey, I'm great, thanks. How are you? I am doing fantastic. And you have a huge event that we're going to talk about during the interview about IES Abroad. But I wanted to first talk to you about your experience on The Office. One of my well, it's not not easy playing the drunk. Yeah, 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 definitely. So, how did you get that part? Tell us like your background before the office and how they found you. Well, I actually, um, I've been, uh, I I actually was at Second City. I actually knew Steve Carell when I was at Second City. I had moved to Chicago after college, and um, I studied at Second City, and then got hired in the touring company. And um, it was kind of a long road. Uh, I was actually still um, waiting tables. I still, I was doing my comedy act, and um, I just auditioned. And uh, initially, I'd auditioned for the part of Jan. When obviously they went a different way, um, but <laughs> obviously. And then um, uh, I don't know. A few months later, I got a, a call uh, to just uh, to read for Meredith. And uh, I don't. I'm not. I'm not sure exactly what did the trick, but. Uh, it was the best nine years of my life. Most definitely. And it's a show that's going to live on. It was funny. I also own a tutoring and consulting company, Kate, and I was uh, tutoring a, one of my students. I told him I was going to interview you today. And then uh, he said, my brother's watching the office right now on Netflix. So just, you're, <laughs> you're, this will live on forever. And that's when you get a show like that, that's what, a, that's what an actor wants more than anything in the world. Right. Kate, to be, to live in infamy forever as that character, exactly. you know, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. A good job and cash and prizes too. I'm just kidding. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so you had a relationship with Steve before the show then that's what you're saying. So you and I Steve knew, worked together. Steve, on- yeah. I, we were not in a relationship. Let's not, let's get this very clear. <laughs> we were just friends. I'm sure he wanted it to be more, but he never expressed it verbally. I'm just kidding. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, Steve was such a, uh, such a, uh, a hardworking guy. I mean, I, I'm the only thing that surprised me about Steve's success is that, uh, that he was a little older because he was such a rock star at, uh, Stephen Colbert used to do the funniest sketches together. And, um, you know, so it's just kind of awesome to kind of see everybody fly now. Exactly. So when you read for, read for the part and understood the storyline, it, I don't know if everyone thought that show would be so successful. 
Because think about the office. We all were, had those jobs at one point in time, Kate, where we're looking at the clock saying, when is it going to be 5 o'clock? I know this is – now I'm an entrepreneur. I remember the days working at the credit bureau in a cubicle and praying, I, 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 I want to get the heck out of there at 5 o'clock. This really spoke right. to so many people because it worked in offices at one point. Right, and it always cracks me up that uh, the kids that really plug into the, to the show. But I think that working in an office is a lot like being a student because your teacher is kind of like your boss, and you're stuck sitting next to somebody that you may not be friends with and maybe don't even understand, but you're kind of trapped with them, much like a job, nine-to-five job. Kind of interesting. Uh, absolutely. And to think of the cast and to look where they are today in certain shows and different things, even yourself, and we're going to talk about that before we get into uh, IES Abroad, uh, that you just got to be just blown away with all your castmates and their success after The Office and where they're, what they're doing now. It's, yeah, it's pretty awesome. I just had a lunch or a dinner with uh, Ellie Kemper last week. We were in New York. We actually did an episode of Match Game together with Alec Baldwin. It was really fun. <laughs> And I just love her on Kimmy Schmidt. She's such a doll. She's such a good actress. She's so damn funny. Absolutely. What would you say would be one of your fondest memories of The Office, in your opinion? Uh, let's go with like well, one of the I mean, God, episodes so versus. Many. Yeah. yeah. I had such a great time shooting Moroccan Christmas because Steve Carell and I got to improvise that whole um, parking lot scene when uh, Michael t- drags, um, literally drags Meredith to rehab and they get in a huge uh, chasing match in the parking lot. So all of that was improvised, and Paul Feig was directing. Paul directed uh, Bridesmaids, and he's directed a million things since then, um, a, a, a ton of Melissa McCarthy movies. He's so such a brilliant brilliant guy. He, he directed the female, all-female uh, Ghostbusters. Okay. Which, uh, that was such a blast, actually, because uh, so much of the show was written, and it was written so well that I never – you know, it was fine with me, but it was kind of really fun to get to improvise because when Steve improvised, like nobody did it better. He's such a pro and made it look so easy. So that was your favorite. What about times on the set? Now we talked about one of your favorite episodes. What about times on the set? Anything you could kind of talk about, especially you guys must have laughed the whole entire time with such talented people. On that yeah, I mean, I loved, I, you know, I loved working with Will Ferrell. He was such a great guy. And there's a scene where um, Michael Scott and um, Will Ferrell's character, Diego, um, they actually come to Meredith's house to give her a certificate that she's nominated for Dundee. So, <laughs> not, But Meredith isn't home because she's doing the walk of shame. She's just getting in from the night before. I just <laughs> that was such a fun. I mean, there's so many fun. I mean, I, and even the like Michael's last Dundee's where we got to sing to him. So many fun things. I, I and I actually got to do a lot of my own stunts, which was a blast and so crazy. And uh, I, I it kind of uh, made me feel like a badass. <laughs> Absolutely, and and that's definitely uh, something that's amazing. And the character. Did you do a lot of improvising with your character at times once they gave you the uh, idea? Was not of a ton. Not, not a lot. A lot of it was so written that we didn't. We improvised some a little bit, but uh, it was it was really well written, and it it was so well written that it felt improvised. Or if you improvised, I felt like it was like written up to a point, and it you just kind of go where the writer kind of leads you, and maybe to the next step, but. Yeah, the next step, and then the next step, and you never know where right. where you're going to get the next. Uh, Kate, for sure. One other thing that we loved you in is last year on American Housewife. You were so oh, yeah. hilarious. My wife and I love oh, that great. show. 
and you were hilarious in your character. We, we hope you're back because you were uh, so talk. There so was talk funny. of me being back. We're trying to work it out. I, there's talk. I actually am on another ABC show that's going to air next week called Kevin Probably Saves the World with Jason Ritter, and that was really fun. We just shot that this summer. Um, but, yeah, Katie Mixon is great. American Housewife is a blast. Uh, and I actually got to like literally push her into the middle of the street. There was like a big, once again, we were doing our own stunts and it's like, don't kill the star, Kate, don't kill her. You know, <laughs> luckily we hit the mat, we hit our mark and, uh, all is well, but what, what a great, great cast. It's so funny. The kid, uh, Daniel DiMaggio plays her son. I've, I've known him since before he was born. I've known his mom for years. I used to do sketch, uh, sketch comedy with her, Loretta Fox. She's a very funny actress. So it's such a small, wonderful world. Oh, it's de- it's definitely a small, wonderful world, and it's an exciting time. And so you'll have to tell us a little bit about the new the, the new show you're on. But I tell you, yeah. you and Kate were perfect. I talk about uh, talk about how hilarious your fight your scenes are, and, and doing your own stunts that's impressive. So are you ready? I, so when you're, when you're ready to retire from acting, or are you just going to be a stunt woman? That's what it sounds like. Uh, I don't terrible. think so. I I I I'll, I'll probably shoot my hip at that point. But it's so funny. I don't know if you knew this, but I've been I've been touring for the last three years with Jane Lynch doing her live show, and we actually did a Christmas album that uh, we're doing a Christmas tour this year. The album did very well, and I've actually been Jane's sidekick in this live show with the Tony Guerrero Quintet. Uh, Tim Davis also thinks he was the vocal arranger on Glee. Um, but yeah, it's been like this fun thing that we, we played the Kennedy center last year and, uh, we've just been like, we've been all over. We've many, we were in, um, at Joe's pub for eight shows, uh, two summers ago. It's been a blast. Really, really fun gig. Oh, absolutely. Uh, fun gig and uh, exciting. So let's talk about the new show and then we'll get right into your, uh, your red carpet event you're going to be involved in, but tell us a little about yes, this yes, new yes, show. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, okay. Okay. One other thing I'm going to tell you, I'm in a new cartoon that started this summer on Cartoon Network called OKKO. OK and I play KO's mom, Carol, and uh, it's for kids. It's a really fun show. And uh, I just got to go to my first Comic-Con and it was so crazy and fun. Um, it's one of the writers from Steven Universe who came up with this. And so I'm actually on Steven Universe. I recur as um, Barb, the postman, post person, post mail person. I don't know what she delivers mail. Uh, but yeah, so it's really fun to do voices for kids and the fans were just awesome. And we hadn't even aired yet this summer and we already had like a little bit of internet action. So it's been on almost every day on Cartoon Network after Teen Titans called OKKO OK Let's Be Heroes. Really fun show. And wow. Then, uh, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. That's exciting. That's yeah. So you got a lot of different projects. Uh, I saw you on a radio tour I didn't get on. Uh, I uh, work with this one radio tour. We get major celebs, and somehow I didn't get you on the show. So I was so oh. excited to get this opportunity now to speak with you. But let's jump into the show you said with Jason Ritter. Tell me, you know, about specifically yeah. that show. Yeah. Well, it's called Kevin Probably Saves the World, and uh, it's kind of um, uh, it's a feel-good show. It's a one-hour um, – it's on Tuesday nights on ABC at 10 o'clock, um, 9 o'clock Central – and it's um, it's basically a guy who has like a second chance to sort of um, do good for other people, um, and if he doesn't get it right, uh, he's in trouble. I mean, it's it, but he's kind of awkward and 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 young and and uh, just kind of stumbly, and he sort of has this um, I don't want to call her an angel, but she's sort of you know trying to keep him on the right path. And I'm just a guest star on the show, but I had such a great time, and uh, um, he you know. Jason, of course, is John Ritter's son. Um, yes. 
and he's such a we actually worked together on another show uh, on Comedy Central called Another Period which is about two women who want to be famous in 1905. I actually play Annie Sullivan um, on that show. And I, well, I'm, I'll be back this season two as Annie Sullivan. I was in the pilot as Annie Sullivan, and I'll be back. And there is an actress that plays Helen Keller. And it's really crazy. So there's all this overlap in our careers. It's really fun. <laughs> yeah, you seem, you're staying busy for sure. And do you like <laughs> oh, yeah, this idea oh, yeah. of guest work? Them being on one show, do you like the idea of doing guest roles and then doing movies and other you projects? Know, I, because I, that's I, the one. Yeah. I, I I miss being. I mean, the thing about the office is that I I don't know. It was really a once in a lifetime. I think. I mean, if I'm lucky, I'll get something else as wonderful as that. But the bar is so high, so I I do have fun going on other people's shows, and uh, you know, I, I I hope they're all having great experiences. But I just felt like on the office we had the best writers, we had the best directors. I mean, Harold Ramis directed three episodes. Paul Feig, like I said, um, I actually even J.J. Um, Abrams uh, directed The oh, Office, no. John Favreau. I mean, so many great movie directors came, uh, you know, so I feel like it was such a heightened experience. I don't know if that's going to happen again. And if it, and, and it's, it's great either way, because like I said, I'm, I'm having a blast and I've been I have been busy and I've had some great, great experiences. And, you know, I mean, if I'm only uh, best known for being the drunk on The Office, I think I could live with that. <laughs> That's all right. Because of the number of episodes you were on, Kate, again, you, just the kind of, I think The Office speaks the same as Seinfeld. I get guests that have been on Seinfeld maybe as guest starring twice, and they live in infamy forever. They That's like right, the super right. or start, Same thing will happen with all of the cast of The Office because they were such a family to so many people for so many years. And, uh, right. and with Netflix and all these other places streaming, Younger people are going to get involved. Would you say you're doing lots of other like uh, events as uh, Meredith and stuff? You get those opportunities to do those different uh, conventions and stuff, right? Based on being on the office, right? You've gotten those opportunities. Uh, I haven't really yet. I might be doing one in uh, in January in Texas. It's like sort of a Comic Con in I think Victoria, Texas. But yeah, that'll be my first one. So yeah, I, I've not really done that. I mean, I've I've hosted a lot of benefits and. Um, um, uh, that's kind of been the thing, and that's kind of what what brings me to Chicago on November first. I'm I'm hosting a benefit uh, called um, IES Abroad, which uh, is actually a film festival. Um, but the the charity itself, um, they actually um, send kids to Europe to study, and they have like a huge huge program. I mean, they send like 600 kids a year. It's it's so awesome, and so they're actually asking the contestants for this uh, um, contest to do. Um, a short film about their experience abroad. And I just have to say like the internet is fantastic and it, yes. you see other worlds, but it's nothing like actually like touching the soil, breathing the air, smelling the smells, eating the food of another culture and another place. So it's such a great, uh, I, I, I just feel like what a great gift. I mean, I wish there were more opportunities when I was younger. I did get to go to Europe when I, after college uh, for about six weeks because my grandmother was from Ireland and, she um, left my brothers and sisters and I like enough money to just travel for a while, which was amazing. It was amazing. But the fact of like doing a semester or two abroad is like, what a gift, what a mind opening gift. And I don't know. I just feel like it kind of gives you compassion for other people and it makes you focus on how we're alike more than dissimilar. Yes. I think it's a good thing. And then with the film festival, it's an opportunity to, uh, to show your talents. And that's something that, again, 
film, the opportunities, as you talked about with all these platforms now, Kate, it's tremendous for a filmmaker to, to, to get a break like something like this, and then you never know where it's going to take them. That's right. And actually, um, uh, a couple of, well, actually, one of the kids is studying um, um, the three. There's actually down to three finalists, and everybody can go on the website and vote. So you guys actually decide uh, who wins. So if you go to, um, uh, um, I'm trying to think, um, it's iesabroad.org, and you can vote for, um, there's a guy from um, University of Minnesota um, who studied abroad in Tokyo, um, and Jake Hatfield, who's from Penn State, um, he actually studying film. And then um, two people uh, submitted a film, Kyle Arnold from um, Ithaca College and um, Ismael uh, Byers from Hope College in Minneapolis. Sorry, Minnesota. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's, it's like a great opportunity um, for these kids to really step up their game and their creativity and kind of give back to, you know, the people that um, – gave them a, an experience that they'll never forget and they'll, they'll use in their life forever. That's a great point. I was talking to an uh, author this week and we talked about how experiences lead to really opening your mind and giving the opportunities. The more experiences we have, the more opportunities for success and more experiences. So it's like if we don't open our, our eyes to the whole world they take this with them in whatever career they're going to do in the rest of their lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the fantastic part. IES abroad does that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking like, you know, I mean, it's so weird, but you know, things in, in other countries are, they can be similar to here, but they're, but they're different. I mean, like the, the, the knob on the door might go a different way. The knob, you know what I mean? Like the, it's just, the bathrooms are different. Like it's so close and yet so far. I mean, it's bizarre. Absolutely. And no, but I think that, and I, and I, and that's the thing that we have to all as parents need to do is give our kids these experiences. Don't, don't pigeonhole them into like one career or one thing. Have them focus on become successful in school, but you never know where your success is going to come from, Kate. You never know where those, those opportunities are going to knock and, and, and the door will open for. The more we're happy about what we do in life, the more we'll be able to see, want to reach the highest level. If we're bored like in the office, like a cubicle where we feel like we're being stunted. <laughs> a great segue, then you know what, then we're, we're, we're missing out in life and life is short and go for what truly makes you passionate, but also your talent. So those are two things, talent and all that. And I think that's great. Again, that you're going to be doing this red carpet event and to really look at IES abroad. And I'm, I'm glad you were able to educate me on that as well, because I see it as something that I'd want to see my kids study abroad for sure. And I think it's something that everyone needs to consider because Opening your eyes to life and to the whole world as we're such a global world, it's a tremendous right. experience yeah, for sure. And I think that's probably one reason why you're going to this red carpet event is you see that importance of that for sure. Yeah, well, it's a, you know, because it's not for profit, it's like it's really just and it's based in Chicago. It's just sort of like here to open, you know, I mean, it's. It's amazing. Like they actually go to 30 global locations and 125 uh, study programs, and 6,000 students get to go um, every year, which is insane. 6,000. That's a lot of kids. Exactly. And that's a, that's a great thing, and it's a nonprofit, so opportunities for kids 
that might never have that opportunity. And I think that's the the great thing. So, Kate, you've pro- gave us all these projects. <laughs> You're doing yes. anything else you want to tell people? Because you have a couple more minutes to tell us any more things going on with you. Because uh, well, I mean, I remember definitely. No, go ahead. You go. You go. Sorry. No, any, other more, any more projects to promote that you have going right now, Kate? Well, I'm uh, like I said, I'm I'm touring. I'm doing a Christmas tour with Jane Lynch in uh, late November, early December. We'll be in um, like Portland, Seattle, um, in uh, Indiana, New York, Connecticut. Uh, we got a bunch of bunch. Of, but if you go to Jane Lynch dot uh, sorry Jane Lynch Official dot com, you can get the dates. Um, which is which will be really fun. And um, I'm trying to think of what else. I don't know. I mean, I feel like um, I'm trying to hit Have all, a drink, the, you'll be all okay. the different demographics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have a drink and you'll be fine, uh, especially it's 5 o'clock somewhere and it's 5 o'clock in Pittsburgh right now. So, okay, Kate, so the best place we can find <laughs> best place we can find information on you, Kate, learn more about you, where can we go? Uh, well, I'm, I have a comedy app called The Lampshades. You can always go to thelampshades.com or you can actually, it's just best to follow me on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, I'm at Kate Flannery. On Instagram, I'm at the real Kate Flannery because there's a fake Kate Flannery out there trying to be me. And uh, I'm also on Facebook. And uh, yeah, and, and maybe it's your corner bar. I don't know. I like to do research for past parts. <laughs> well, you, you are you are a pleasure. Thanks for taking so much time to be on the show, and everyone needs to remember November first, Chicago. You'll be at IES Abroad's Film Festival, and people need to check it out. And and and, and they can uh, vote until October thirtieth online. You can vote until October thirtieth online at IESabroad.org. So I don't know. It might I might give you some ideas to come up with your own movie. So you know. Well, Consider it a selfish act to check it out. (laughs) You're fabulous, Kate. Best of luck with all your ventures. We'll stay in touch. And anytime you have new projects, please reach out to me. I'd love to have you on the show again, okay? I sure will. Thank you so much, Neil. Have a great day. Take care. You too, Kate. Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye. You're listening to Neil Haley's show, and we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley Show on the Total Celebrity segment. I'm excited to welcome the program from the WWE, Naomi, uh, Total Divas as well. Naomi, thanks for calling. How are you? Thanks for having me. I am great. Still in the glow today as usual. (laughs) (laughs) Now let's talk a little bit about how you became a professional wrestler and the story. It's kind of funny. I was watching this weekend the history of the gorgeous ladies wrestling, which was, I guess, when women's wrestling started to build a big comeback after years and different things. And uh, I'm such a huge fan of that. And uh, tell me why you wanted to become a professional wrestler. Did you see the Netflix documentary? Yeah, I love love that Netflix documentary. It was fantastic. My wife and I were watching that. She loved it, yeah. So tell us the story of how you became a pro wrestler. Yeah. Um, I actually saw my first wrestling show live um, in Orlando. And during the time I was still an Orlando Magic dancer, and WWE came and had Raw at the arena, and I stayed and watched the show. And that was my first time ever really seeing wrestling. I never watched it growing up, didn't know much about it. And I just I thought it was the most amazing thing that I saw. And from there, I just um, started asking questions, got myself a tryout in Tampa, and I've been here ever since. Wow. And once you got in the ring, explain that to people that that ring is something that is uh, not not like uh, 
a trampoline. It hurts when you fall, when you learn to fall and all right. these different things. It's it's oh, yeah. it's very painful. Especially when you're first learning, when you're first starting. <laughs> they say they say each bump we take is like being in a, a mini car accident. And I remember my first week, I remember like calling my mom, like being very unsure if I had made the right decision um, by leaving my jobs and everything that I had going on and starting a wrestling career. I had been a dancer from the age of eight and always thought I was going to be in the dance field or dance world somehow and completely made it 360. And I, one day I literally told my mom, yeah, I'm, I'm moving and I'm going to go be a wrestler. And my mom was like, wait, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> wrestle? Where? How? Why? What are you, what do you mean? I just spent all this money on the last decade of you taking every dance class and lesson that there is in the state of Florida and you're going to go and be a wrestler. But, um, she definitely supported me and came to, to all of the um, upcoming shows and the developmental shows. And, um, she loves it. She, she watches me faithfully everything I do. And she's probably one of the biggest wrestling fans now. So funny. And what do you think with Total Divas and Divas in general, how this uh, has grown and it's changed? And more and more, I think it's going, we're going back to wrestling compared to when the Divas came out or even when ladies wrestling 12 years ago, when it just kind of got really back popular again, the girls and all that to now really, you guys are unbelievable athletes and it's really evolved in the last 10 years. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I've seen it just from the time period I came in. I've seen how much it's evolved and changed and how much better it's gotten. And I think the women were always capable of this. I yes. think the difference is the the opportunity. Um, the women back then were fighting for the same things, but they just wasn't – the world wasn't ready for it, I guess, at the time. And that's what worked at that time. And now that we have the opportunity and the back end and the support from the company and they're they're giving us all the tools on top of our talent to be successful, to be at the forefront, to to break barriers and um to showcase what we got and add all of that in with an amazing roster and an extremely talented group of hard working women, I feel like the result is just it's always gonna be good. No, absolutely. It's a win-win situation. Yeah. Right. And 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 yeah. as you talked about, women are always capable of doing it. We look at the craziness of of uh, the days of glow to older, uh, going back to the 60s yeah. and 70s with women wrestling. And I'm just glad it's kind of going, going into this thing that, you know, you guys are really talented. I think the training center has a lot to do with it as well. I think that how developmental were. Now you guys are learning in the territories more, working more, and they're really looking at you guys as a brand, not just a sideshow in a way. Like, right. like, uh, like the midgets were before. And you guys, it's really, hey, this is wrestling. We're, you're going to do exactly what the guys are doing. And you're going to show that you're talented so you can entertain the crowd in a match with a great storyline, but also just unbelievable moves and and athleticism for sure. Absolutely, I mean the the, the facility, the training facility now is just it's it's it's, it's incredible. Like where we always tease the, the the new the newbies now, we're like, you guys have no idea like how good you have it, like. 
But um, I appreciated the the way I came in and the time I came in. I think it um, we definitely worked just as hard and got the same lessons. It was just a little more, it was a little more rougher. And I think um, it was a little more, it wasn't as structured. I think now there's so much structure and guidance that by the time you do make it on the main roster, you're already, you're already there. Now, when we talk about when we talk like about prepared in every way for sure, and now how about how mm-hmm. we got to learn more about you with Total Divas on E? Is that a hard thing? I mean, when you're wrestling, you know exactly, you know, kind of when they're going to film you and when they're not. But having to get back into your background, what happens on a day to day basis when you're not at the arena or the bat behind the scenes? Is that hard being on a reality show? In your opinion? I don't think, I think you have to have the, the personality and the mindset for it. Um, and I think those, those rough days and hard days, I think those are days that do make the best TV because it is, it is raw, it is real. And I feel like those are the moments that are most relatable when you are vulnerable, when you are breaking down. And that's what people don't get to see, you know, on wrestling and WWE that they do get to see from watching the reality show. So I think we have a, a great group of women who understand that and understand what we're trying to project and um, showcase. Like, we're real, and we want women and fans and people who watch our show to to know what it is that we do and what we go through and experience and that at the end of the day you can you can overcome it all because that's what we do week in and week out. Well I remember on the road in the days this has given us an amazing platform for sure. And they could see how tough it is. You guys are the top and the most uh, traveled group of people. You never really take a day off. You're always yeah. on the road or a different event, different things. And it shows how the wrestling business is and that you're going in the sports entertainment business and you're going from town to town, place to place, personal appearance to personal appearance. And when is there a time for really your downtime compared to other professions where there's a season? There, pro right. wrestling is 12 months a year. There's off time, but not much. And yeah, that's really, what they, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I, you're 100% right. Uh, you, you hit the nail on the head, and I'm sure you understand that more, having been in, in wrestling and in the business. Um, yeah, there are no days off. And I think the ones that, that stick around and really last is, years and decades or become a household name, I mean, it's, it's, it's passion. At the end of the day, we do what we do because we enjoy it and love it that much because it is very, it is very hard and it's very intense and you never have a, you never really truly have a break. Exactly. And as we know in the in this professional field, you got it's your image and your image is everything and it's constant from working out. You have to get to the gym every day, you have to get to the arena every day, you have to do mm-hmm. the personal appearances, and people just don't understand that. They just think, Hey, I could just jump in the ring and this is what's so great about the show and why it's so right. successful. So everyone needs to tune in. The season premiere Wednesday, November first at nine PM Eastern. Check out Naomi and on Total Divas. Uh, where's the best place we can connect with you social media wise and stuff? Where can we go? My Instagram is Trinity underscore Fatu, and my Twitter is at Naomi WWE. 
All right, well, fantastic. You're 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 the best. I love always talking to people who were in the business I was in, and I, I'm glad to hear the success of the women's brand. And I recommend everyone also to check out the documentary of Glow. It's it's a phenomenal documentary, and they really paved the way for you guys. And I honestly believe that's where it's taking it. And you guys are tremendous athletes, and best of luck in your career and uh, all your ventures. So thanks for calling. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed the interview. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. Take care. I enjoyed talking to you as well. Take care. Thanks. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. You too. See you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to Neil Haley's show, and we'll be back in just a moment. To the Neil Haley show on the Total Celebrity segment, and I'm excited to welcome to the program from Fox TV's Empire, Terrell Carter. Terrell, thanks for calling. How are you? Oh, man. Thank you for having me. I'm good, man. It's It's early. It's early. <laughs> it's early, early, yes. And and what? The, but you have those early shoots, so you're used to that, right? At times where you have to shoot really I'm early in the morning. Yeah, it's sometimes we, we're there at five thirty in the morning, man. But you know, it's on a set like Empire. You're just excited. You know, you don't mind getting up at four o'clock and running down there and doing what you need to do because it's such a great situation to be in. Absolutely. So tell us the, the experience of how you got this opportunity to be on Empire. Must have been a dream come true for sure. Yeah. Man, it's it's an actor-singer's dream come true to be on a show like this. This is exactly what I do. I uh, actually auditioned for uh, the uh, other television show that Lee Daniels has called Star. And uh, I auditioned for a role that, that uh, he said you just did so well in the audition, but you're, you just don't look old enough for this character. It was a character that was one of the girls... I think stepfather or rapist. He was a rapist character. He said, you know, and he said, you just don't fit that character. So I'll, I'll remember you. But you know, when when people, when people say that, you never never know if it's gonna come true. That well, he remembered. And I I I, think they, I was on a show, uh, a theater show called Married but Single too, and uh, I did an audition and I sent it to uh, sent it in on my off of my phone. And I got the call from the network. It wasn't even, you know, a casting thing after after a while. I got the call from the network. Uh, they called my agent and told me that, you know, they made the offer for the role. And I was on a flight that night. <laughs> wow. Yeah, for sure. And then getting this role and the opportunity and what a great cast to work with, isn't it, in Empire? Oh, my goodness. It's such an amazing cast. I play uh, Warren Hall, which is a... He's actually a Dubois, which is uh, Felicia Rashad and Tate Diggs' uh, character. I play uh, her nephew, which she's a, uh, I'm just a pawn for her scheme to take down the main family. So it's it's a, such an amazing cast of Taraji and, and Terrence Howard, and Felicia Rashad, Tate Diggs, Jesse Smollett. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Gabrielle Sidibe. It's just so good. Exactly. And, and you're probably shocked by the popularity on social media with it, right? And the conversations every week after the show's over. Because Empire is, is, Empire is a force. I, I, kind of, I knew the show was big, but I, I had never uh, did a lot of the research online to see who, you know, how many people. There are so many fan pages, and these people take it serious. I mean, my character is like a, a, a character that, you know, he's kind of a villain a little bit, and they rip him to shreds, so I'm doing a good job. <laughs> so you can see that when when you're a villain, it's okay to be the bad guy, but some people really uh, are, are rooting for those characters, aren't they? Oh, they're rooting for those characters like they have those characters going home with them. So it's great that they love it like that, but 
they, you know, people take it serious, so they they rip you to shreds. But I don't mind. I, I mean, I'm, I'd be ha- I'm happy to be ripped to shreds on a number one television show on Fox. <laughs> so yes, absolutely for sure. And uh, uh, so t- so tell us more a little bit about your character. You said you're kind of a villain, but basically, what the expectations this season for this character, especially? Well, well, he, he he's a. Uh, He's uh, like I said, a pawn for Felicia Rashad and he uh, for Diana Dubois, and he's he's sent in to be the love interest for uh, Jamal Lyon, which is uh, the son of, of uh, Cookie Lyon, and, and and he's sent in to to just woo him and take him and, and knock him off of his feet, but yet at the same time to get to his father. But and he, he my my character's had my character has been like. He's been excommunicated out of the family uh, because of my father's character. So because of that situation, he, he he's just trying to get back in his into the Dubois family. So he's doing this basically just to get him back into the graces. It's not even he doesn't really have a stake in taking his family down. So therefore, he has a little bit of you know resent, resentment against uh, the plan, so to say, because he's looking at it like you know, wait a minute, I'm, I'm doing this. You know, to someone for no reason, really. I mean, just because some my aunt has a a grievance with you know the mother, you know, and so he's kind of torn a little bit. But you're still watching him go in with a knife, and he's cutting and he's cutting and he's cutting. But yet at the same time, he starts cutting slower and slower and less and less. So you see what happens. And your relationship with Jamal, it's you're really just playing him, and that's what probably makes people upset, right? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because he's playing him, and then he's just, but he's 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 really playing him. I mean, Jamal's a singer. He's singing along with him on his albums, and he's doing things to make him really open up and give him all of the information he needs to 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 be, you know, taken back to Diana Dubois, to 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 just be torn apart, to be hurt, to be you know shredded. And when it all boils down, it's like, why are you doing this? You know, so. All right, so basically we have to be ready uh, for Wednesday, uh, Wednesday night uh, when it comes back after the World Series. But tell us specifically the next episode. Give us like a little clue what could happen and without giving anything away. Well, the next episode, uh, as far as uh, with my character, Tate Diggs plays my cousin. He's the whole reason why we're doing all of this. And when it boils down to it, he... Uh, he gets a little jealous because uh, his mother, Diana Dubois, is is kind of favoring me. You know, it's like we're doing this because he his relationship with Cookie Lion was messed up. So we're doing it for him. But she kind of starts loving the fact and the way that I'm handling everything. And so it kind of brings a, a little tip between he and I. And after that, he, he, he gets so jealous that he ends up almost blowing my cover, so, he, so to speak. So he oh, wow. does some things blatantly, blatantly that, that doesn't, and we get into some heated situations in this next episode, so I can't wait to see this myself. I enjoy filming it. Such a great All right, guy. Ben, it's such an amazing guy. Fantastic. The best place we can uh, connect with you social media-wise so that people can start uh, hating yeah. even more. Where can we go? Yeah, they can start hating. Let them follow me and hate me even more. Go Follow me on Terrell Music, that's Instagram. Everything is T-E-R-R-E-L-L Music. And that's Instagram and Twitter. You can go find me on Facebook at Terrell Carter. 
And uh, that's pretty much it. You can find all of my music on iTunes and, and Spotify and Pandora, Terrell Carter on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, all of the social media and all of the uh, musical downloads you can find me. Hey, so it's a great platform for you to, for your music as well, being on Empire. Absolutely, like. man. Yes, it is. Uh-huh. That's that. Artists love that for sure. Well, best of luck, man. Thanks for coming on the show and take care. All right. Thank you, brother. See you. Okay. All right. See you. See you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Neil Haley's show. We'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley show on the Total Celebrity segment, and I'm excited to welcome the program. World ABC's Kevin Probably Saves the World. Kimberly, Hebert, Gregory. Kimberly, thanks for calling. How are you? I'm well, Neil. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Congratulations on all the success on uh, Vice Principals. I just wanted to tell you that. And, uh, oh, and, uh, I appreciate that. Really love that piece. I uh, love the guys, Danny, Jody, David, Walton. Uh, just a great experience. Um, and I love Belinda, so I'm really happy that people are uh, really still digging what we did. Oh, absolutely. Fantastic. And that's that's what's so great about platforms is you could be on two shows at once. The days used to not be like that. So it's a nice opportunity as an, as an actor to kind of be able to work many different projects, not just one, and and connect with lots of different audiences. Absolutely. You know, um, the interesting thing is that we shot Vice Principals all 18 episodes two years ago. So, and we knew going in, unfortunately, that we it would be a two-season sort of kind of mini-series deal. Uh, Jody and, and um, Danny and David, they were really clear because it came as a movie to them, so they kind of knew clearly the story that they wanted to tell. So it was a nice opportunity to have this great character, these great uh, and play with these great other actors and writers um, and then to kind of have it spread out over time so it really has afforded me the opportunity to now do something that I feel is completely um, different in character and different in tone and and with the new network that I'm really super excited about Um, I'm I'm really People watching Kevin probably saves the world and, and coming back with lots of questions and, and lots of interest. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's go into specifically the premise of the show, then we'll get to your character. Yeah, well, you know, Kevin probably saves the world is, is about um, a young man who finds out that he is the last of the 36 righteous uh, who walked the earth to keep the earth going um and he finds this out by meeting the character that i play yvette who's a celestial being who tells him you know you're here to save the world um and to find the other 35 to anoint new 35 um because we ultimately find out that the 35 have somehow vanished and so that's why yvette is there um and so it's this lovely kind of journey about human spirit and human goodness, um, which really appeals to me at this moment um, to kind of figure out how to be the best person I can be in the world and if my goodness can affect change in others or if affecting change in myself is really the goal. So I really, uh, I really love this, this, the, the show's 
uh, idea and the conceit of the show is really um, fascinating and also uh, attractive to me. Oh, absolutely. It's definitely an attractive uh, thing that we can go and know that we can change someone's life and that we are our purpose. We have a purpose on this earth to do something. And it makes us think, well, what if we were those those one of those righteous and we had to save the entire world? What will we do each day to change what we're doing right now? And I, I think that that's Kimberly, the um, an underlying message in the show is that. I mean, I love that that I, I that people might watch that and wonder, am am I purpose? to be doing something different, to be doing something better, to be helping others, to be changing uh, changing our world or changing myself. Because I think that's the really interesting thing about where it starts with uh, Kevin and Yvette is that he, has, he first has to become a, a, a more aware and different person, and that's the sort of work that we get in the first few episodes of, you know, Kevin trying to, as Yvette says, build his spiritual powers, but it's really about building his humanity, and I just love that you brought that up, that, you know, I hope people, I hope we're all wondering, am I one of the 30, if I, if this were real, am I one of the 36, and should we all go through the world as if we are? And what does that make the world look like? It's just such a fascinating, fascinating way of thinking. Absolutely. It's a very, very fascinating way. And so let's talk about your character, Yvette. And she's interesting, right? Especially when you think you're you're placed on to help Kevin guide him, but yet you're kind of a a goofy, kind of interesting character yourself, right? In, In a way, not like this perfection personified. When you think of like movies like, uh, uh, you know, where the person that comes down is perfect. This is the exactly. Yeah, right. I, you know, and I think Michelle, Michelle Fazekas and Tara uh, Butters were just, those are our uh, showrunners and the executive producers were so really thoughtful in making sure that she wasn't um, this kind of uh, perfectly put together, has all of the answers and will be directing with such precision vision and um, authority. Now, I think she has authority, but she doesn't have precision, which makes her really interesting and fallible. Um, it's so nice to be playing someone who's so committed to something that is so large, but in some ways so ill-equipped to even be in the space because she knows nothing about being human. She has no concept. Of it, right. and, and where she's coming from is um, is a place that that is perfect. So all of the things that Kevin and everybody around him that they have to deal with, she has to kind of take it in and kind of process it and figure out what are those things. What what why don't you just do the right thing? Because that seems like the only thing to do without understanding all of those emotional and psychological obstacles, which makes it a nice relationship with Kevin because Kevin has to teach her as much as she has to teach him. <laughs> and people are seeing a different character in you, Kimberly, playing Yvette, right, than, than, a, than in vice principals or other things you've done. So that's going to be interesting as well for them to see a, a, a 
this kind of role, right? Well, I totally hope so. I, you know, I think there are things, and I've, you know, about um, Yvette and, Be- and Belinda Brown that you could possibly say that they're they're both leaders, like they're both strong, um, and and so you have that aspect of it. But their uh, their positions are very different, and their wives are very different. And so um, I'm really hopeful that my interpretations of these two, one woman and one celestial being, are unique enough and um, universal enough that people will kind of uh, embrace her and, and, and almost see themselves, because I, I do think Yvette, also represents kind of um, like a human struggle of, of being understanding of, of things that we don't understand, like trying to figure out and being open to it. Um, and she's just completely honest, but also completely uh, in training herself. She's in training. She doesn't, she doesn't have all the answers, and I, I think that's so... I, I, I think that's so real. It's just, it's just a real way of uh, approaching that. Whereas I feel like Belinda thought she had, she, Belinda pretended more to have all of the answers all of the time to her detriment. All right. Well, perfect. Everyone needs to tune in on Tuesdays, 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 Central, to Kevin Probably Saves the World. And uh, where's the best place we can connect with you as well? Where can we go? Uh, um, you can find me on Instagram at youfoundkimberly and on Twitter at Kim Acton. A-C-T-I-N up. Kim Acton up on Twitter. <laughs> well, thanks again for calling. Best of luck with the show. Uh, seems very, very interesting, and it gives us a good perspective in, uh, on life and especially uh, how we would, could save the world. So take care, and thanks for calling. Thank you for having me, Neil. Take care. Thanks. Okay. See you later. Okay. Bye-bye. You'll listen to the Neil Haley Show. We'll be back in just a moment. The Neil Haley Show on the Total Celebrity segment. I'm excited to welcome the program comedian Gary Owen. Gary, thanks for calling. How are you? Hey, good morning. How are you? Fantastic, Gary. Now tell me, did you always want to be a comedian when you grew up? Was that something that you said to yourself, this is something I want to do? That's all I wanted to do. And I know this sounds like I'm lying, but I remember sitting in class in high school and they was talking about taking the ACT and the SAT. Okay. And I remember in the back of my mind going, I don't need this. I'm going to be a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> Did you end up going to college, Gary? And you, you were thinking about taking the ACT or SAT? SAT? I, I never took it. Never took it. Did you? So never. So you you made the right made right choice. I'm sure that your your teachers are so proud of you now, right, Gary? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, they don't want me coming to speak to the kids. You don't need this. <laughs> so You're you, fine, guys. High school diplomas. All you, you don't even need that to be a comedian. <laughs> and and so, did, in, in ways, did you say to yourself, you know, uh, it's it's just something. I know I have this talent in me. I know I can make people laugh, and that this this is what I want to do, and this is my passion. So this is what I'm going to focus on. That it sounds like when you were in high school, that's what you thought. Yeah. I mean, it really is. It's crazy. Like, I just knew it. I knew it. I visualized it as a kid. I visualized it in high school. And I was like, I'm going to be a stand-up. That's all I want to be. And I joined the military after high school. But the reason I joined the military was I grew up in a small town in Ohio. And I was like, this can get me out. 
of of small town Ohio, and the first chance I get a, I get a chance to get stationed in California, I'm gonna take it, and then I can start going to L.A. <laughs> and that's what I was doing. Yeah. Like I got to San Diego. This is a true story. I got to San Diego, got stationed out there, and my first day in San Diego, and I'm showing my age. I got the phone book, and I was looking up comedy clubs, and I called this place called the Comic Castle, and I said, "Hey man, what's up? You got open mic?" And the guy was like, "Let me check." And he got back on the phone. I can't find it. Uh, what would it be under? And I was like, "Open mic." It was a comic book store. I thought I was calling a comedy club. And the guy, the guy was looking for a comic book called Open Mike. <laughs> oh my gosh! So you didn't make the right call at first, but you, so, yeah, <laughs> go ahead. But what he did, he got me the um, he got me the phone number to a comedy club in San Diego, and I called it, and that's when I started going on stage. Wow! And what would you say? It's it's your stage presence. You said to yourself, you know what? Uh, this is what I want to do. So when you get out there and you first do stand up. What advice would you offer other stand-ups so that you, you can f- f- stay the test of time like you have so far, Gary? You're, you continue to be a comedian. You continue to be a stand-up. You do other things as well. What what recommendations would you give these comedians to say, hey, I'm going to try this? Um, just know your first time on stage is probably not going to go how you think. And especially your first couple times, couple times on stage – just know if you if you get big laughs, you're probably not as funny, and you're probably not as good as you think you are. And then at the same token, if you don't do well, you're probably not as bad as you think you are if they, you don't get the laugh. So you got to temper it. And then eventually getting on stage, you find your voice. It, and I can't explain it. It just happens. You just, you're on stage one day, and you realize, oh, this is who I am. This is what I'm about on stage. You'll, your mannerisms will start to to come out in your movement, and then you'll find out what your voice is. Wow. Okay, and so once you figure out that voice, there we go. So what do you think your big break was, Gary? Like, what connection? You've been in a lot of movies. You you continue to do stand-up. Now the Showtime thing's really big for you. But tell me specifically what kind of, that this changed you, that, you know, you're just not an opener, but you're starting to headline, things like that. What big break happened that that changed it all for you? I think two things happened with me. One was um, I got the, the hosting job on BET's Comic View, mm-hmm. and that made me a headliner. I was able to go on the road, and, and it was my full-time job now with a stand-up. And then more recently, I would say 2012, when Think Like a Man came out, and the movie just was such a success. Then it it just opened so many other doors for me as far as more TV appearances and I've had I've had three hour specials come out since that that since that movie came out, so I would say those two things. So 1998 and then 2012. That's that's a big window, but I think those were the two biggest. It definitely, and you've worked with some amazing people, haven't you? In that time, uh, in comedy for sure, in that in that time to get your get your break, wouldn't you say? Opening for certain people that, we, oh, yeah. oh, I mean, especially if you're in LA, right? You can just give a household of names, right, of comedians you've worked with. Yeah, well, it's funny. Like some of the movies I've been in, like one one that pops out. The first movie I ever did was called Held Up with Jamie Fox. Uh-huh. And this was before Jamie had won an Oscar or done any given Sunday. And it was funny. That cast is so successful now. And we were all pretty much somewhat unknowns except for Jamie when we did the movie because you had Sarah Paulson, 
who wow. more recently did uh, the OJ mini trial. Right. And she's in every major movie now. And then Rosalind Sanchez, who a couple years after we did Head Up, got Rush Hour 2 with Chris Tucker. And she's a huge Latino star. And then Nia Long's taken her off. And yeah. Barry Corbin. And it's just, I you know, I guess I, I say myself, but there were so many, like, like, like big actors in that movie. And we were all just young and didn't know what was going on back then. It's amazing how things change so much. And you see it being a headliner now and then seeing these other younger comedians come up and say, hey, man, I was in the same position. Do you like to mentor them in ways? And especially when you're the, the headline and say, hey, you know, I was in the same boat that you were 10, 20 years ago and just keep working on it. It's funny because it's it's a very comedians were very um, it's a very giving and generous community. Like we, I, I, at least I like to think we we like seeing the young guys come up and and seeing a fresh voice. And uh, yeah, we're, we're we're always here to help people out that are in it for the right reasons. If you see somebody up there just bearing their soul on stage, it might not be give, getting the laughs that you think, but you can tell they're trying to figure it out. You just pull for that guy or that girl. You pull for him and you try to help him. Interesting. All right, so, Gary, two big things. You're going to be on tour right now. You can promote that and also the Showtime special. Those are the two things that are going on right now. Let's talk really quickly about the Showtime special, and then you can tell us where, we're going to, where you're going to be uh, headlining at in the next uh, month or two. Yeah, the yeah. Showtime special, it's called I Got My Associates. Um, it came out a couple weeks ago, but right now it's on demand, so people can catch it whenever they want. You just got to go to Showtime on demand. And the best way I could say the tour is going is just go to my website, GaryOwen.com, and that's got all my tour dates because it would be too many to name <laughs> in one session. And then more recently, I got into the podcast world. Uh, that's different for me because I'm so used to talking and getting a reaction. And yeah. with the podcast, I'm just talking and hoping I get uh, – but if you just – people can go to iTunes and just search Gary Owen. And then, or they can, if they want to see it interactively, they can go to YouTube and just type in Gary Owen podcast and it comes up all the episodes. That's awesome. So are you interviewing people, Gary, on these podcasts or just more just you talking? No, it's just me talking. I'll, I'll get the interview um, eventually, but I just wanted to, to, you know, make sure I'm, I'm good at what I'm doing before I get into the interviewing part. But I, I enjoy just talking for 45 minutes to an hour. All right. Well, good talking to you, Gary. Best of luck in all your ventures, and thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take care, man. Okay, bye-bye. You're listening to Neil Haley's show. We'll be back in just a moment.